0: Uh, love you, love you, appreciate you. We're in a sermon series called Forward in Faith. We all need to be moving forward in life. Always. Uh, beware of when you're in neutral. Beware of when you get into neutral. Because you start sliding back pretty quickly and pretty easily. So you always want to be seeking God about next steps and how to move forward. It takes, it takes a... a, a Faith, it takes a vision, because you got to know where you're going. Moving forward means you're moving towards something, right? Yeah. I mean, you might be moving, but moving in reverse, <laughs> or making lateral moves all the time. But God wants us to be advancing, moving forward, and it takes vision and faith. And action, faith without works is, yeah. you got it. And in this series, we're using the word forward as an acrostic, it helps us with our outline. We're, we're speaking on these subjects, and these are all verbs. Follow, obey, resist, worship, abide, reach, and disciple. And uh, these are all actions we've got to take to move forward in our faith, to move forward in, in discipleships. And so over the past few weeks, we've been speaking just on this topic of follow, and uh, we've seen that once we're born again, that's not the end, that's the beginning. It's the beginning of a lifelong process of change, a lifelong process of sanctification, a lifelong process of maturing, a lifelong process of being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And that lifelong process of following Jesus Christ is called discipleship. And we've learned that a a disciple uh, really is two things. He's a a student who learns from another, but a, a disciple is also one who follows another not just to learn from them, but to become like them. So as we're followers of Christ, not only do we want to learn of Christ, we want to become like Christ. And we've seen how that's God's destiny for us, to be conformed uh, to his image. Now remember, there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. Believers are going to heaven, but many b- believers never truly become disciples. Because, and because of that, they never progress beyond spiritual infancy. And the way I like to say it, instead of 20 years of, of growth in Christ, they've had, they've had one year 20 times. They, they keep going over the basics over and over again. And, and the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 6.1 says, you know, there needs to become a time where we, we get beyond just the foundational truth. You've got to have the foundational truths in your life. You've got to have the foundation, but you've got to begin to build on it. So last week we learned seven reasons why discipleship is necessary according to the Bible. Number one, the first reason for discipleship is obedience. Jesus said, go forth and make disciples. That command is to all of us. That command is to you. And and really, that really should be the only reason we need. But I'm giving you six more to help you out. Uh, Secondly, discipleship is necessary because Jesus made disciples. We're being conformed to his image, right? So we need to be disciple makers. Uh, Third, the the purpose of discipleship is to know God. Fourth, discipleship is necessary because other people need to know God. Five, discipleship is necessary to empower the next generation of leaders. That's what we were talking about with the burgers. Uh, Number six, the purpose of discipleship is for you to grow to spiritual maturity. And then seven, the purpose of discipleship is to help others grow to spiritual maturity. Now listen to me you will be stunted in your spiritual growth if you never get to the place of helping others to grow. Part of the growing is learning to help others, learning to teach, learning to make disciples, learning to minister to others. Part of the growing is in the, the doing and, it, and, and in the, the obedience. And, I, and all this is going to cost you something. That, that's why I'm preaching today on, on the cost of discipleship. Salvation is free. The blood of Jesus paid it. There's nothing you can add to it. There's no price that that you can pay to earn it. Salvation is by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It, it, It is a free gift of God. But over and over in the Bible, Jesus urged his followers to count the cost of following him. No cost to salvation. You can't buy that. But there is a cost to following Jesus. And throughout the history, throughout history in America, it's been relatively easy to be a follower of Christ. Hasn't been that way throughout world history. And it's not that way in a lot of places on the planet today. This world has been a difficult and deadly place for followers of Christ throughout history. Since the death of Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago, 43 million Christians have become martyrs who died for their faith. Every day, right now in the world, every day, excuse me, over 300 people are killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. In some countries, to name the name of Jesus is a death sentence. And somehow where along the way, we've kind of become convinced in America that Christianity is easy. All you have to do is ask Jesus in your heart and then occasionally read your Bible or go to church once in a while, say a p- few prayers maybe, and you're good to go. You can go on living like you want to live. You can go on having it your way and still get to heaven and all will be good. But is that what Jesus died for? Is that what Jesus meant when he said, follow me? Remember, not everybody who goes to church is a disciple. Not even everybody who goes to church is a believer. And Jesus distinguishes between a crowd and a disciple. The Bible does. In Matthew 8, 18, it says, When Jesus noticed how large the crowd was growing, he'd instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Now, most of us would be like, the crowd's growing. Let's stay here. Let's keep it growing. Let's keep it going. But Jesus never followed the agenda of people. He was following the Lord and, 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 and his Father's word. And what we see in here is that there was a crowd, right? Not a trick question. There was a crowd, right? People were like, yeah, okay. And, and there was disciples, right? So there's a difference. How do you know the difference? Wherever Jesus went, crowds followed him. Most of them were there for the spectacle, for the miracles. There was people healed. There was demons cast out. They were there for the food Jesus provided. Watch this. He can turn that boy's lunch into into food for all of us. I don't have to work no more. I just go follow Jesus around and get fed for free. So basically the crowd is there for what they can get out of Jesus. But a disciple also wants to give to Jesus. See, the crowd was there because of what Jesus could do for them, but a disciple wants to know, What can I do for you, Lord? The crowd wants to listen to Jesus, but a disciple disciple wants to become like Jesus. The crowd wants Jesus to bless them, but a, a disciple wants to be a blessing to Jesus. The crowd does not want to pay a price. But a true disciple will pay any price to follow the Lord. And there is a price today. And I'm going to surprise you with some scriptures today because Jesus told us some hard truths as he defined what a true disciple is. And there's many verses in the Bible that reveal to us what Jesus expected of true disciples because over and over Jesus said, you must do this to be my disciple or or, you cannot do that and be my disciple. In fact, most of them are couched in that language. If you do this, you cannot be my disciple. This is Jesus speaking. It's red letters in your Bible. It's New Testament. And these expectations have not changed. They weren't just for his followers back then. They're for his followers today, tomorrow, and, and forever. And these verses show us the cost of discipleship. And number one... I, to be a disciple, you must count the cost before you follow Christ. Yeah. Jesus told us this. Salvation is free, but discipleship is costly. Yeah. So Jesus tells everyone, count the cost before you follow me. Now we tend to tell people now, you just believe in Jesus and everything's going to be good in your life. Gonna, you know, you're going to have no more problems. He's going to take care of it all. It's gonna be. But then why would Jesus say, you better count the cost? Here's what he said in Luke 14, 27 through 30. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. This is Jesus speaking. But don't begin until you count the cost. He's warning them up front. For who would begin construction of a building without first counting the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's a person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. There's that person who started following Jesus and talked about how good he was and how great he was and how much he's done for their life. And here they are a little while later, things get tough, and all of a sudden, you don't hear them talking about Jesus no more. If they do, they're cussing him. Jesus is very clear that there's a cost of following him. And, and, and some of that cost is the same for all of us, but for each of us, there are individual costs that we must be willing to pay. Don't be looking at somebody else and compare yourself to them. Uh, Peter made that mistake when uh, with John. You remember that? And, and and when 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 Jesus was telling him how he's gonna die and everything, and, and Peter looked at John and said, Well, what about him? And Jesus said, Hey. If he lives until my second coming, what's that to you? You follow me. Don't get your eyes on somebody else and how God's dealing in their life and think, well, God's not giving me what he gave them and God's not doing for me what he did for them. What is that to thee? I'm speaking King James. <laughs> <laughs> you follow me. And so there's different things that God deals with in each of our lives. Because, see, Jesus knows how to put his finger on what's in our life, what needs to be touched in our life. And it's different for each of us. Think about this. The rich young ruler, it was money. Yeah, I want to follow you. What do I do? Oh, you obey the commands. Oh, I've I've obeyed all those commands since I was a kid. Awesome. Great. One thing you lack. uh, Go sell everything you got and give it to the poor. Then come follow me. And he went away sorrowful he counted the cost and said, I ain't paying it. Too much. Matthew 8, 18 through 20 tells us some other costs to count. When Jesus noticed how large the crowd was growing, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. And then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and Birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's interesting to know that this man was telling I will follow you wherever. And wouldn't you be like, awesome, come on. <laughs> Jesus said, hold up. He didn't just welcome him with open arms. He said, hold, hold up a minute here. You, you need to count the costs. He, he's, he's saying, here's what he's saying, but, you know, we're, we're on the road most of the time. Now, when I'm saying they were on the road, I'm not saying they were in an RV traveling around. I'm saying they were on the dirty road walking. We're not staying at the Jerusalem Hilton. We're not down there at the Galilee Beach Resort all-inclusive. We're not at the Jordan River Luxury Spa. Getting mud all over ourselves and getting treatments. In fact, we sleep out on the ground sometimes. And oh, by the way, we touch lepers. And demon-possessed people, oh yeah, we go right up close to them and we minister to them and we cast out those demons in the name of of Jesus. uh, 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 We cast them out in my name, I guess he would say. And by the way, I'll end up on a cross in Jerusalem. And if you follow me, you're going to be ridiculed and persecuted and maybe even die for it. Are you sure you want to follow me? Following Jesus as a disciple comes at a cost. It involves sacrifice. Remember, no servant is above his master. When you're fully trained, you're going to be like him. If Jesus was rejected and harassed and criticized, the followers of Christ should not expect better treatment. If you name the name of Jesus, you can go around here. Even it's becoming that way in America, you can go around here all day long and say you're following Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius or yourself. But you start saying, I'm following Jesus, it's going to raise some hackles and some people are going to get upset. And they're going to tell you, don't you pray in that name. And and you're going to get criticized and harassed and and rejected. But to be a disciple of Jesus Christ means you must be willing to go through that. You must be willing to sacrifice. Even many of the pleasures of this world, are you really willing to pay the price? While this first man we see here in Matthew 8, he was kind of over-eager to follow Christ. The next man was under-eager. Matthew 8, 21 through 22 says another disciple came to Jesus and said, I want to follow you, but first let me go bury my father. Sounds reasonable, but Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, it sounds sounds kind of harsh unless you understand what, what he's meaning here. But let me just give you the point. This is point two. To be a disciple, you must instantly obey the Lord. Instant obedience. Now, it seems kind of harsh that Jesus would say, hey, let the dead bury their dead. But you've got to know that in, in those Eastern cultures, the dead are buried within 24 hours. Got to be within 24 hours. And so what, I mean, Jesus could, Jesus could have waited a day. It's just a matter of a few hours. That, that wasn't the issue. What's likely, what's most likely is that, that this man's father was not dead yet. Dr. Adam Smith was an authority on Middle Eastern culture, and he went to a village to try to find an Arab guide to guide him on a tour. And he was told of an excellent guide, and he went and searched and found the guy in the village. And the young man says, "Well, Well, first I have to bury my father. And there, in front of the hut, sat his elderly father alive and well. What the man was saying is, I must care for my father. Until he dies. That's what that phrase meant in that culture. I, I've got to care for my parents until they die. 1st they I'll bury them. After I've cared for them, then, I, then the man was saying, then, then I'll follow you. It's basically he's saying, I will follow you someday. Not sure when, but I'll follow you someday. And the answer that Jesus gave indicates that when God calls us to follow, he expects us to obey without delay. Remember those three words, obey without delay, obey without excuse. And people find so many excuses for not wholeheartedly following Jesus. They have good intentions to start one day, but someday never comes. First, they got to finish school. I follow Jesus once I finish school. I really gets, then then they got to find a job and they got to concentrate on their career and then they get married and then, then they have a family and then the kids have sports and school and, and band and friends and a zillion other things happen and then then the kids are grown and now now we're preparing for retirement and now we're retired and we're retired and too tired to do anything <laughs> i've seen it and the list goes on and on and on and on and on But Jesus wants to cut through our excuses and challenge us to put him first now. Not later. Put him first now. To be a a disciple requires instant obedience. And thirdly, to be a disciple, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. Now, you don't hear much preaching on this anymore. But this is gospel. This is the words of Jesus. By the way, this is a good message. I know it seems like, man, that's heavy. It's heavy because most of us aren't doing it. And a lot of us have never even heard it. But this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to be my disciple, by the way, this is the amplified version. Let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself in his own interest, and take up his cross and follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be, in dying also. You don't hear much today about dying for Christ, and you certainly don't hear much about dying to self. You don't hear much about the cost of following Christ. Christ. People and so as a result, people just want the benefits. They just want to reap the blessing. And if they don't get them, they're like, What's the point of this? I'm not getting out of it what I wanted. So the man died for you on a cross, you got eternal life and and forgiveness, and you're gonna live forever. You got the grace of God in your life, and, and he didn't do enough for you. And a lot of people live that way. Well, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, I know you died for me before, but what have you done for me lately? And a lot of people live that way, and they live based on their own opinion. They live based on their own thought. They live based on their own feelings. And as Christians, we must die to that and live by God's will and live by God's word. Now, listen. Listen to me closely. Self-denial is not denying yourself things. See, we automatically think... Well, self-denial means I got to give up this and and give up that. That's not what self-denial means. Self-denial means to deny yourself. Not to deny yourself things. Deny you. What does that mean? Well, you ever, let's see, you ever applied for a loan, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. You ever applied for a loan and got denied? What did denied mean? It meant no. <laughs> Your credit's 101. No. So self denial means what do you say to yourself? No. It means saying yes to God. And no to you. When you're in conflict with God, your thoughts, your feeling, your, th- your, your, your understanding of what you think the Bible ought to say, when those things are in conflict, you've got to die, deny yourself, say no to yourself, and say yes to God. Listen, it's human nature to live for yourself. But Christ died. Listen, Christ died to free you from the bondage of living for yourself so that you can live for God. We all know the Bible verses about why Jesus died. Jesus died to save us from our sins. Jesus died to save us from hell. But do you know that Jesus died to save you from you? I'm going to give you a Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 15. He died for all, that's everybody, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. Some of y'all never even heard that verse in the Bible. Jesus died so you would stop living for yourself. And you start living for Him, but you've got to die to yourself in order to live for God. That requires a lifestyle of repentance where we, t- we continually turn from sin and, and turn to God. And we, listen, when, when we sin, the Holy Spirit will convict us. He won't condemn us. He'll convict us. And at that point, we have a choice. My way or God's way. And dying to self means I say no to me and yes to God. I daily take up my cross and follow Him. And by the way, what does it mean to take up your cross? It doesn't mean you take on sickness. It doesn't mean you take on poverty. It doesn't mean you take on a bunch of demonic oppression. Well, these demons are all over me, but this is my cross to bear. No, it's not! (laughs) Jesus already died for your sin. He died for your sickness. He overcame the devil on the cross. All of that's already been done! He took up that cross. You can't pay for your sin. You can't defeat the devil. You can't overcome sickness on your own. All of that is in the power of the blood and the power of the cross. What does it mean to take up your cross? It doesn't mean you've got to bear some tragic or tough situation in life. Well, you know, my mother-in-law, that's my cross to bear. Come on, people. Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed to the Father, not my will, but yours. And he went from there and took up his cross. It means we're saying to God, not my will, but yours. And we're submitting to God from our heart. It's choosing to do God's will above our own. There there is a death in that. There is a dying in that. I want to do my will. I want to please myself. I want to go my own way. I want to do my own thing. Come on, don't we all feel that way sometimes? (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't know where that came from. but just I think it was God. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Being a disciple means daily taking up your cross and dying to yourself. Paul said, I die daily. Come on, this is a daily thing. It's not a one and done. Man, I wish it was. I wish it was a one and done. I got that done, died to myself. What's the next step? Die to yourself again. What's the next step? Well, you to die to yourself some more. What's the next step? Keep on dying to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lifetime. Paul said daily, but he said, you know, he what he said. I didn't even look up these verses. It just came to me now. But he said, find it somewhere. It's in there. It's in first or Second Corinthians, I think, <laughs> one of the Pauline epistles. Anybody know where that is? I die daily, but he said, he said, he said, when I die, it works death in me, yeah, yeah, yeah. but life in others. When I die to myself, it works life right here. Come on. It works life in her. When I try to live for myself, death. It works death in the relationship. Now, ideally, (laughs) in a marriage of two disciples, everybody's dying to themselves, and it's a great thing. It's tough when you're the only one. But keep on going. It's the cost of discipleship. i got to move on here. Number four, I'm having too much fun today. Uh, to be a disciple, you must put Christ before every, everyone else. In Luke 14, 26 through 27, Jesus said, If you want to be my disciple, you must... Now listen, hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple... If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now listen, we know Jesus teaches us to love and not to hate. He's not telling us in these verses to hate people, to hate our family. What he's saying is that your love for him must be greater than your love for anyone else, including your family and including yourself. Jesus never tells us to hate our families or neglect our families, but he does not want us to put our family before him. And listen, there will probably come a time in your life when you are a Christian that someone you love will not love Jesus. They may even attack you for your faith. There are some families who say, if you go down that road, we will disown you. I know people that have been through that. Some of y'all may have been through that. We don't want nothing to do with that. So when, if that happens, you've got to decide, who's more important to me? My friends? My family? Or God. You've got to make that decision. But Jesus said it this way in Matthew ten thirty seven: Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Being a disciple requires putting Jesus before other people. And number five, to be a disciple, you must put Christ before everything else. Not just people, but things. Luke 14, says it like this. Jesus talking here in the same way. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Now, does that mean you got to leave here, give away your house, give away your car, and give away everything you own? No. It doesn't mean you can't own anything. There's a lot of other scriptures about how you can and how God blesses you. But it does mean this. It does mean that those things should not own you. And the way you know the difference is if God asks you to give something, can you willingly give whatever he asks? And again, that's going to be different for all of us. Listen, God's not happy being in the top 10 of your priorities. He's not happy being in the top five or the top three. He wants to be first before your family, before your job, before yourself, before anything or anyone else. Number six, to be a disciple, you must abide in the word of God. In John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm not going to preach on that today because we're going to preach on uh, abide uh, in upcoming uh, upcoming messages. But I just want to say here that true disciples live in the word, and the word lives in them. They read it, they pray it, they believe it, they confess it, they, uh, they do spiritual warfare with it. They're doers of the word and not hearers only. Number seven, to be a disciple, you must love other people. In John thirteen thirty five, Jesus said, here's how everybody will know you're my disciples, if you have love one for another. That's a sobering verse. People will know we are followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, if we love one another. God's word says the world will know, the world will we know we're Christians, not by our church attendance or our Bible knowledge, not by our giving, by our worship, or our praying. Those things are good and important and they must be in our lives. But Jesus says there's one quality that overrides everything, and that is love. And he's saying love for other believers is the mark of a true disciple. It's not the sign of the fish bumper sticker on your car or the cross hanging around your neck. Those things are okay, but the true mark of a true disciple is true love. Listen, almost 100% of people believe Jesus was good and loving, even if they don't believe he was God or anything. They believe he was a good man and he was loving. And if they don't see us living and loving like him, they won't believe that we're his followers. That's why relationships are so important to evangelism. People need to see how we're getting along and how we're loving each other. And lastly, number eight. To be a disciple, you must abide in the vine and bear much fruit. Jesus said this in John 15, 7 through 8. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In John 15, don't have time to teach on that much today, but Jesus said, There are those who bear no fruit, there are those who bear fruit, there are those who bear more fruit, and there are those who bear, who bear much fruit. He said, Those who bear much fruit show that they're truly his disciples. What's fruit? Fruit's seen in our, our character, our conduct, and our converts. Abiding in Christ allows the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our life. That's our our, our character, love, joy, peace, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control. All those are fruit of the Spirit in in our lives. Following Christ changes us into His image. That's our conduct. That's the way we live. And sharing Christ with others leads to a harvest of souls. That's converts, people who have become saved and followers of Christ. That is how we bear much fruit. Listen, these are eight ways. There's more ways, but these are are eight ways I felt led to teach on, on how discipleship costs us. And some people don't like it when they find that following Christ requires a commitment. They say things like, well, I believe in Jesus, but I'll pick and choose how I follow him. And I, I'll follow him until he tells me to forgive that person who hurt me. I'll follow him, but don't talk to me about giving money. I'll follow him, but don't tell me about all his ways and those old school ways, like not having sex outside of marriage and all that stuff. I, I mean, I'm a, I, I'm a fan of Jesus because I, I think he can help me and change my circumstances, but don't ask me for any kind of sacrifice. I'm here to receive and not give. But see, following Jesus is costly. You can't buy salvation with anything, but discipleship will cost you everything. Everything. And for some people, that cost is too much. You know, COVID weeded a lot of those people out of the church. I'm not saying everybody who's staying home from church is, is not a disciple. If you're watching online right now, thank you for watching. I understand. And the fact you're watching shows something. But there are a lot of people who were just nominal Christians. Nominal means in name only. Yeah, I just go to church. I grew up going to church and I go occasionally, da da da. But now they're just out of the habit. It was just something they, they did. They don't want to pay any price. Too many people want a no-cross Christianity. They want cheap grace. They want cut-rate commitment. They want bargain-basement belief. They want thrift-store theology. They want a markdown Messiah. They want a second-rate, super-cheap salvation. They want to pay the absolute rock-bottom clearance rack price. Did that yesterday. Went to Dillard's. Looked all over. And I found me a new shirt. Marked down about four times. I get them $100 shirts for 20 bucks, man. You just got to find the right deal. That's what a lot of people are looking for when they follow Jesus. I want the rock bottom. What's the least I can do and still be saved? What's the most I can get away with and still be saved? They, 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 they want to just do what they want to do, but Jesus is king, and Jesus is Lord, and he's looking for people who submit to his lordship. There's no bartering, bartering or bar, bargaining with the king. There's a cost to follow him. Are you willing to pay the price? are you willing to pay the price I'll close with this you can stand some people say well the cost is too high I just want to close by urging you to consider the cost of not following him isn't it funny how some people live they live in sin they live in the world their life is a mess they get saved God drastically changed them, saves them, forgives them. And somewhere down the road, it's like somehow that, 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 that world seems good to them again. It's the enemy makes it look good again. Following, if you do follow Jesus, you're going to have his presence wherever you go, but not following Jesus means you're on your own. Following Jesus gives purpose to your life, but not following leaves you purposeless. Following Jesus ends up in eternal life, but not following him leads without eternal life. Following Jesus ends up the road leads to heaven, and not following Jesus ends up in hell. You see, there's a a cost either way. And I submit to you today that the cost of not following Jesus far outweighs the cost of following him. Are you willing to count the cost and be a follower of Jesus Christ? Lord God, forgive us for the times, Lord, we have just wanted to do the least we could do. Forgive us for, for the times we've not counted the cross or the times we said, man, that cost us too much. Lord, forgive us. We want to die to those thoughts. We want to die to that, that attitude. Lord, we know that your cross was sufficient to save us and heal us and deliver us. But you require us to take up our cross, deny ourselves, die, die to ourselves so that your life can be poured out of us. And to others. Forgive us for living for ourselves for living for ourselves. Forgive us. We thank you that you died us, died to free us from living for ourselves. Right now, Lord, we accept that freedom. Lord, I, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus, you will do a work in me and this church and everyone here and those watching online and those who will see this message in the future. Right now, in this moment, Lord, that that that, that you died to save us from living for ourselves, Deliver us from that. Bring us to the place of totally living for you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for being here today. Our prayer team's gonna be down front. If you need prayer, if you need to be born again, you need to give your life to Jesus, if there's things that you say, man, this cost, I've been fighting this cost, I don't know if I wanna pay that price, and you want somebody to pray with you, uh, if, you, if, you, if you need healing, if you need deliverance, if you got other people you need to pray for, if you got a financial issue, whatever it is, we believe in prayer and the power of prayer. Thanks so much for being here. Love y'all so much. We're going to sing one more song, and then we're going to be dismissed. Have a great week.